Good morning. Welcome to Flat Springs Baptist Church. It's so good to see everyone here this morning. Uh, if you're visiting for the first time with us today, we want to say a special welcome to you. We're glad that you're here. Uh, we do have visitors cards in the pew right in front of you. If you'll just take one and fill it out, you'll drop it in the offering plate as it comes by. Um, just a few announcements for you this morning. Uh, please take note of the bins located in the atrium. These are for any donations of school supplies and gently used clothes that you might like to make to elementary school age children. Um, you can check in the bulletin for the complete list of items needed, uh, but this collection will go through Sunday, August the 11th. Uh, we are excited to announce the birth of a sweet baby boy. Robert Jackson Ward was born this past Thursday, July 25th to Kenzie and Justin Ward. Proud grandparents are Bob and Regina Mangum. Both mom and baby are doing well. And the flowers on the table this morning are to celebrate the arrival of Mr. Jackson. Uh, congratulations, Justin and Kenzie, and to Aunt Gina on being promoted to Gigi Gina. Our Deep Impact Kids team is excited and ready to go. They're down front up here this morning. Uh, they'll be leaving for Camp Mundo Vista immediately following uh, worship today after they eat some lunch. Uh, we just ask that you be uh, praying for this team as they serve this week. Um, and then team, if you guys will go directly upstairs to the youth room after worship so that we can get a picture before you change your clothes and eat pizza, okay? So we'll get a picture as soon as you get upstairs in the youth room. A few prayer requests to share as well this morning. Uh, Jimmy Gaines is still at Cape Fear Rehab. Please continue praying for him. Uh, Drew Moore had surgery this past Thursday and is at home recovering. And then uh, Debbie McFarland is also home, but we want to continue uh, lifting her up in our prayers as well. Would you go to God in prayer with me now? Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to be in your house this morning, God, and to be able to worship you. God, we want to lift up these prayers that, prayer requests that we mentioned just now and all the ones that are on our prayer concerns list, God. We just lift all of those up to you and trust you with all of those needs. God, I pray that you be with us now and that you help us to focus on worshiping you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
that you continue in worship with us by singing hymn number 69, Eternal Father, Strong to Save, also known as the Navy Hymn. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this beautiful day, this glorious opportunity to come together to worship you. And Lord, we continue to pray for your leadership and your guidance over our lives and over this church, Lord. And now we ask that you bless this offering and these tithes, that they may bring joy to you through them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
hymn number 445, Sweet Hour of Prayer. Well, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? Good. And girls, mostly girls. <laughs> okay, um, I'm going to show you guys a series of pictures this morning, and then we're going to see what Miss Taylor's up to, okay? So the first one right here is what? A hammer. A hammer, okay. That kind of looks a little weird. Yeah, it does look a little weird, but yeah, it's a hammer. No, I mean a wheel. Okay. Oh, like a wheel. Real, real, okay, yes. Okay, what about this one? A person, person mowing a lawn. Okay, person mowing a lawn. All right, let's see. What about this one? What's Sports. this? Sports. Sports, okay, all kinds of stuff. Football, basketball, soccer. What about this one? School. VBS, what does VBS stand for? 
Yeah, church, vacation Bible school. Okay. And then this one right here, what is this a picture of? A girl helping an old person. Okay, a girl helping an elderly person, yes. So um, we'll get back to that in just a minute. And then what about this one right here? What do you think this looks like? A person, a person showing another the Bible to another person. A person showing the Bible to another person. Very good. Now, what do all these pictures have in common, do you think? Uh, a hammer, a lawnmower, vacation Bible school, someone in a wheelchair from a nursing home maybe, and then someone sharing the Bible with someone else. What do you think all those have in common, if you had to guess? I'll give you a hint. Where, where are the kids' team going after, right after church? Camp Munda Vista. Camp Munda Vista. That's exactly what our boys and girls are going to be doing at Camp Munda Vista this week. Some are going to be working on a team that's going to be doing vacation Bible school with kids in the local community. Some might be doing a sports camp, and so they're going to be playing basketball and soccer. And some might be working on a ramp, and so they might need a hammer because they're going to have to nail in some nails. Some might be going to a nursing home, and so they might see someone who's in a wheelchair, and they might can help them out. And then the most important thing that we're going to be doing this week is that last picture right there. And that's we're going to be telling other people about Jesus. And that's exactly why we're going to camp and why we're doing all these things, why we're mowing people's lawns and building ramps and different things like that. That's exactly the reason why we go is to share the love of Jesus with others and to tell others about him. Okay, in this verse, it says this, in Romans 10, verses um, 13 through 14, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And so that's exactly what these boys and girls are going to do this week. They're going to tell people about Jesus in case they've never heard about him. Because that would be really sad if somebody had never heard about Jesus, don't you think? Mm -hmm. It's important for us to tell other people. And so these are the ways that we're going to work so that we can tell other people about Jesus. Now, not everybody can go to camp with us, right? Because we just... That's, that's a lot to take every single person in this church to camp. But did you know that even if you're not going with us to camp, you can still participate and help us out? How do you think you can do that? You can pray. So you can pray for these boys and girls and for these adults that are taking them to camp. You can pray for them that they would have a good week, a safe week, and that they would be able to minister to everyone that they come in contact with, okay? So can you guys pray for us this week? Do you think you can do that for us? Yeah, I think you can too. All right, let's say a prayer together. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for these children and for their presence with us in worship this morning. God, we're thankful for um, the group that you're sending out to go to Camp Munda Vista, God. We're thankful for their willingness to serve, and we pray that they would just minister to everyone they come in contact with this week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
hear these verses from the first chapter of James. Blessed are those who endure when they are tested. When they pass the test, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When someone is tempted, he shouldn't say that God is tempting him. God can't be tempted by evil, and God doesn't tempt anyone. Everyone is tempted by his own desires as they lure him away and trap him. Then desire give birth, gives birth to sin. When sin grows up, it gives birth to death. My dear brothers and sisters, don't be fooled. Every good present and every perfect gift comes from above. From the Father who made the sun, moon, and stars. The Father doesn't change like the shifting shadows produced by the sun and the moon. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the opportunity to pray today. And there are all kinds of crises. We have a prayer list full. Lord, I want to mention in prayer even now, Miss Dot Robinson. That's Debbie Williams' mom, and she's in a crisis and in the hospital here in Central Carolina. We've had surgery. We have folks at home that are struggling. We have folks under hospice care. We have folks that are quietly suffering with financial troubles, with family troubles with health troubles. And yet, we found our way here today because our faith tells us that when we come into your presence, you change us and you equip us to face the trouble to face the crisis. And so, O oh Lord, we come today and we pray that hymn that Fanny Crosby penned in the 1870s, Pass me not, O oh gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry while on others you are ministering and loving and caring. Oh, Lord, do not pass me by. May that be our prayer today. Lord, don't pass us by. As we look at Job and see his troubles, may we not compare our troubles to him, but may we recognize that when you change us and when we seek you in the good and in the bad, you do change us and you strengthen us and you prepare us to face 
whatever trouble, whatever crisis we may have to face. So now, Lord, in the midst of this congregation, I pray for your spirit to fall fresh. In Jesus' name, amen. anthem today called Pray for the People. But listen to the lyrics again on this. Pray for the person on your left. Pray for the person on your right. They may seem strong, but we don't know all of the struggles and the burdens they hold. We pray, Lord, we pray, give them power to face the day and then as we get to the end this means that we are not concentrating on things for internal we're praying for each other and then after you pray for the person on your left and your right pray for them and as you do people all around are praying for you there are after we sing it through the first, um, the first time, there are some interludes after the pray for the person on your left. So take that time to offer up a little sentence prayer for the person on your left or the person and then the person on your right. on your right. 
I like that. Did you pray? Powerful. Powerful. Well, last Sunday, we left, we left Job in a mess. And right when you didn't think it could get any worse, It does. There's another one of those meetings in heaven. And out of that conversation, our text is found, when God tells Satan that now the protection of Job himself has been lifted and the only stipulation is that his life be spared. Before we read our text, I need to ask us a question. What crisis are we facing? Are you facing? My guess is Every family here is dealing to some degree. Now you might decide that this is a level one crisis as opposed to a level 10 crisis. And you may just have a, a level one. You can't get your spouse to squeeze the toothpaste correctly. It may be just a little irritation and it may not even rise in your mind to the level of crisis. And some may be at a 10 to where you feel more like Job than ever before. 
You feel like the unfairness of life and the problems of life and the problems that seem to be all but insurmountable have come up against you. I want us today to find an examination of where crisis comes from. And I want to begin the process at the end of this sermon to address the hope for that crisis. And we'll continue that thought next week. Our text is found in Job, the second chapter. We're going to read verses 7 through 10. Job chapter 2, verses 7 through 10. Let me invite you, if you're able, to stand as a way of honoring the reading of this portion of God's holy word. So after the conversation in verses 1 through 6, which are identical to the counsel that take place in chapter 1, we begin to read in verse 7. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores, not just sores, with loathsome sores, from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a piece of broken pottery with which to scrape himself while he sat in the ashes. This is a horrid scene. The, the, the picture of despair and, and disease. He, he will later in the text say that it was so bad that his skin turned like leather and it actually changes colors. And then we find verse 9. How do we address this unsurmountable crisis? And then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we not? Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? In all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. May God add his blessing to the reading and the hearing of his most holy word. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, would you give us insight because sometimes, Lord, we feel well, Lord, you know how we feel. You know how we feel, oh God. You know the frustrations sometimes of living in this world, working where we work or going to school where we go to school, or sometimes, Lord, living where we live. Bring upon us. And so, Lord, here we are in the midst of this, in a world that is often in crisis. And we've come to hear from you. So speak to us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Round two. Wow. A dark night of the soul. 
I have found that people often, when things go bad, ask questions of God, but sometimes they ask the wrong question of God. I, I heard a story. It's actually not a story. It was a cartoon of a man who was phoning his pastor during a crisis, and he says, with a very fraught look on, the, on his face, he says, my wife has left me, my kids are on drugs, my life is falling apart. Can you explain to me the difference between amillennialism, postmillennialism, and premillennialism? Now, if that doesn't mean anything to you, those are the three different schools of thought on the end time in the book of Revelation. It's a great theological question question, but it's certainly not the question that he needed to be asking. And I'm going to suggest to us today, although I cannot tell you that I have not asked the question incorrectly myself, that most oftentimes the question is not a why question, it's a what question we should be asking. Instead of asking God, why is this happening to me, we should be asking God, what would you have me do in the midst of this moment? And especially the dark nights of the soul. When our peace is not what it needs to be, we still feel that connection to God, but it's just not what it ought to be. We know it's not what it could be. In fact, we know it's not maybe even what it should be. Well, what causes spiritual crisis? Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And that heavenly is referring to the space. There's another question that I need to ask us today because really my answer won't make very much sense. Job's answer won't make very much sense. In fact, I would say the whole biblical model and the whole biblical answer won't make very much sense. And, it, and I can't stress how important what I'm fixing to ask us really is. Do you believe that when you die, there's something else? You say, well, pastor, we're in church. And we sing about heaven, and we know about heaven, and the Bible's full of heaven. So we're supposed to say heaven. That's not what I ask us. I ask us what we really believe. What we really believe. And, and the reason that what we really believe is important is because if you don't believe in the afterlife, if you don't believe there's something beyond this, then my answer is not going to make very much sense at all. In fact, I would argue I'm wrong. You, uh, 
you shouldn't, you shouldn't even listen to what I'm about to say. Because the answer that I'll give only makes sense if there's an afterlife, if there's a heaven. If the, the three score and ten that we live down here is all there is, then the Bible is a fantasy. And the answers that it gives us, well, they're just the opioid of the people. As the writer of the Communist Manifesto said. But, if there is an afterlife, if there is a heaven, if there is a reality that you were created and I was created in the image of God to live for all eternity, not just three score and ten, then the answer that I'm going to give you is straight from God's word. And it can make all the difference in every crisis that you'll face, that I'll face. I want to suggest that there are at least three things that cause most of our crisis in our life. The first one is circumstances. We looked at that last week. Job was in a crisis. He lost his wealth. He lost all of his, uh, his whole farm was destroyed. And not only did he lose that, but then he was in the midst of the circumstance that he lost ten children in one moment. The circumstances that we face can often lead us to a spiritual crisis. Sometimes those circumstances are unjust. You remember the story of Elijah, the, the prophet? He was the one who stood and, and he was God's man and he had all kind of power. And, and I guess one of his most powerful moments was when he stood at, at, on Mount Carmel against all the Baal prophets. And they had this contest, the contest on Mount Carmel, where they had a bull set up and, and these 600 priests of Baal were going to pray for Baal to send down fire and consume the altar. And and of course we know Baal didn't do anything. And then the prophet, this 8th century prophet, began to pray and ask God after they had doused his, his sacrifice to be in water until it was dripping wet and almost impossible to think it could be consumed and then at the prophet's prayer fire came down from heaven and consumed that sacrifice well you think that he had it together but that takes place in first kings chapter 18 when you get to 1 Kings chapter 19, we're going to find the prophet running for his life. Because even though he won the contest, Ahab the king and Jezebel his wife became so angry and Jezebel sent a message to him that if she didn't do to him what had happened to the prophets of Baal who had died on Mount Carmel, 
by the tomorrow at this time. She prayed she would die. Well, God heard part of that prayer. But we find, the, we find Elijah running. He goes, and in 1 Kings 9, 4, he says, But he himself, this is Elijah, went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came and he sat down under a broom tree, and he asked God that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I'm no better than my father's. He was desperate. He was tired of the battle. He was, he was tired. Even the faithful, like the prophet Elijah, who had just won the battle on Mount Carmel, we can grow weary and find ourselves in the midst of a spiritual crisis. Just six verses later, he says, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. He felt he was all alone. Do you feel like sometimes you're all alone? He said, I'm the only one left. You keep reading and you'll find out there are 7,000 who haven't bowed their knee to Baal. But in this moment, he feels all alone. Yes, sometimes circumstances can cause our problems, and sometimes those circumstances are unjust challenges, but sometimes they can be bad decisions. I guess one of the most famous stories in all of Scripture of a bad decision is found in the Gospel. His name has become notorious, and you'll know it. Judas Iscariot. You know that name? One of the twelve who betrayed Christ. Who met with the Sanhedrin and they plotted a time and a place where they could arrest him because the Sanhedrin was afraid of the the riot that it might cause if they arrested Jesus in public. So they wanted to catch him in the middle of the dark, in the middle of the night. They wanted to catch him in an isolated place. And they needed Judas to make that happen. And so for 30 pieces of silver, Jesus agreed. Judas agreed. And so Judas, as he agreed... And he betrayed Christ in one of the gospel accounts. It says that as they were, after he had kissed our Lord on the cheek and betrayed him with that kiss, later on Judas saw Jesus. And he recognized his bad decision. I want to suggest today that should we see Jesus? Should we see Jesus? Should we understand the Christ who loved us so much that he gave himself up on that cross? We'd recognize some bad decisions maybe that we're making. We'd realize that maybe there's some things about us. So often in a family, we're often praying for that family member to change, right? Maybe today we'd be praying for us to change. I wish the text, 
and Judas would have read that he recognized what he had done wrong, that he went and he cast those, that silver bag back at their feet because they wouldn't receive it back when he tried to give it back. And I wish that it had said that he went out and he prayed and he went to the disciples and he said, I have messed up. I, I, I made a terrible mistake. I, I, I really blew it. Can you forgive me? And I wish he had lived for three more days and been in the room when the Lord appeared to the disciples. That's what I wish. But in the midst of his crisis and in the midst of his bad decision, he made another bad decision. And the scripture says he went out and he hanged himself. I had that in my sermon and I was doing some reading later in the week and I ran across this story. Wang Min Dao, who served as a preacher in Peking, the largest church during a communist persecution. It was a time they were trying to crack down on the religious folks and especially the Christians. And he was thrown in prison and he was then tortured for his faith. And in the midst of that, they kept saying, if you will recant your faith, we'll let you go. The persecution will stop. The torture will stop. And you will be a free man. And in the midst of the shock of that moment, he recanted his faith. And they turned him loose. And the story goes that they saw him for days after that, walking the streets of Peking and mumbling, I am Judas. I have betrayed my Lord. Within just a week of that happening, he went back, Dow went back to the communist authorities and he recanted his recanting. <laughs> he confessed that Jesus Christ was the Lord and as long as he had breath, he was going to proclaim that Jesus was Lord and they threw him in prison for the next 27 years. And he never denied his Lord again. When Dao was released at the end of his life, the Chinese church considered him a hero, and I do too, and told him time after time because of his imprisonment, he had given the strength and the assurance to many to stand firm in their faith. Enduring faith will experience trouble and doubts and disappointments. But don't let one bad decision follow another. If you've made a bad decision, then today I want to encourage you to think about that. And that kind of dovetails into the next one because you can make a bad decision and it not be a sin. But we can make that decision too, can't we? When sin enters our life, it's, it's David that again is that prime example, the man after God's own heart. I spoke of him last week, and we know the sin that he committed with Bathsheba and then the sin that he committed against Uriah, literally sending him back 
to, to die at David's orders. And when Nathan the prophet comes to him and confronts him with his sin, you remember that story about the man that the prophet told him about the man who had just herds and herds, but his neighbor had one little sheep and he went and he took that man's one little sheep and he, he offered it because so, he wanted to have a party with his friends and David was furious at such a thing and he says tell me who that man is and you remember what the prophet told him he said you're that man and Uriah is the man you took his sheep one of the most beautiful psalms in all the Psalter is found in chapter 51 of our psalms and it is the sin, it is the the confession. It is David when he recognized his sin had caused a crisis in others' lives had now become a crisis in his own life. And that's what sin does. When we sin, it causes a crisis in someone else's life. And then it'll ultimately become a crisis in our life. Here's words. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Oh, to, to pray this today. If you're here today and there's some sin that is really eating at you, would you pray, have mercy on me, oh God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your word and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. Listen to that. God you delight in truth in the inward being. If we're here today and we're in the crisis of unconfessed sin, God knows our inward heart. And you teach me your wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, that's a sponge, and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Because when we're in sin, God's word doesn't sound like joy. And it doesn't sound like gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. The joy of your salvation. And uphold me with a willing spirit. Confessing sin is the first step to dealing with a spiritual crisis. Confessing sin. Jesus gives us a reminder of how to ward off spiritual crisis. It's found in Luke's gospel, the 12th chapter verses 22 through 31 his disciples are there and he says don't be anxious about your life what you'll eat 
about your body, what you should put on. And then he says these words, and this is sort of the question I ask us as we began, what we really believe. He says, Jesus says, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. What is he saying? It's more than this physical existence. It's really, it, it really is more than this physical existence. He ends up with saying, instead seek the kingdom and these things that you need, food and, and clothing, will be added unto you. Circumstances can cause crisis, and we see in our text today that physical challenges can cause crisis. We see that Job is now facing pain and suffering in his body. And when you hurt, you understand that suffering of the body, the tent, it changes everything. What do we say about that? Paul had a word for us. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Do you remember that first question? Do you believe there's a heaven? Do you believe there's more than three score and ten? Because if you do, then you'll hear these words of, of Paul differently. The suffering of this present time, of this lifetime, they're not even worthy to compare with the glory that is to be revealed to us. The body is made miraculously to function with its many systems running quietly in the background. And when they fail to run correctly, they change us. But one of the experiences that I have had even as recently as in the last couple of weeks is to hear people who say, my body is failing, but it is well with my soul. My body is failing, but it is well with my soul. The body can certainly change. For Job, it was a challenge. His wife saw it as a challenge, and we can understand her. And that leads me to the last point, the emotional and the mental part of a crisis. If you have your hymn book, open, well, you do have your hymn book. Open them to page 308. I want to talk just a moment about Mrs. Job. We don't know her name. She only speaks once in the whole book and therefore in the whole Bible but in her words we find either condemnation or compassion and I guess it depends on how you read it you see at first it may look like this was condemnation that she was saying it, it's over it's terrible there's no hope why don't you just curse God and die or we may see a loving wife who has endured the loss of her sons and the loss of, of watching her husband deteriorate before her eyes. And maybe she's praying for mercy. I don't know. I know that she and Job come to an entirely different place. She's obviously ready to give up. And Job says, not so fast. Fanny Crosby wrote the hymn that we're going to look at in just a moment. Pass me not, O gentle Savior, page 308 in your hymn book. 
after speaking at a Manhattan prison in 1868. While visiting the prison, the prison, she was already an African-American woman who had given her life and her talent, blind but yet still one of the most prolific and one of the most popular music people in the world. And instead of using her wealth for herself, she used it in a soup kitchen in New York. They expressed the desire to her for the Lord not to pass them by while they were in prison. And she wrote this song, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior. Look at the words. Pass me not, O gentle Savior, Hear my humble cry while on others you are calling. Do not pass me by. Let me at your throne of mercy find a sweet relief. Kneeling there in deep contrition, in obvious confession, in obvious sharing our brokenness. Help my unbelief. I love that verse. Trusting only in thy merit, would I seek thy face. Heal my wounded, broken spirit. Save me by thy grace. Thou the spring of all my comfort, more than life to me. Whom have I on earth beside thee? Whom in heaven but thee? Savior, Savior. Hear my humble cry, while on others thou art calling. Do not pass me by. That's what Job wants to teach us. What crisis are you facing right now? Is it emotional? Did most of your sentences start off with, well, I'm just feeling, well, the way I feel about this, I, I don't understand how I'm thinking about this. Is it physical? Is there some challenge that has changed your world because of a sickness or an injury? Is it your circumstances? Is it the things around you? Some of them unfair and you didn't have anything to, to do and some of them other people's bad decisions. Maybe some of them yours. And maybe sin, unrepented sin. What's your crisis? What's your struggle? Job said, in our text yesterday, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And whatever challenge we're facing today, would we make this our prayer? Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Pass me not. Here's what I believe. I believe that God today wants to make a difference in your crisis. I believe God wants to have 
an opportunity to change some things about your challenge. I believe also, most likely, what God wants to change is you and me to face the challenge in a different way. That's what Job will teach us. Today, what crisis are you facing? How will you face it? As God speaks to us, shall we pray, create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew in me a right spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, in this moment, I don't know the crisis because as the anthem the choir sang, somebody might look strong right next to us, to our right or to our left, but we don't know their struggle. We don't know the challenge, but oh God, you do. And so now, Lord, we're not focused on who's on our right or who's on our left. Right now, Lord, we're focused Squarely upon us and you, O oh God. And what you need to do in our heart and in our life. And what you can do in our heart and in our life and in our circumstance and in our situation. And now it's time for us to sing that old hymn, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior. While on others you are calling, let us hear your call for us. And let us respond to you, O oh God, in spirit and in truth. And Lord, whatever decision, whether it needs to be a public coming to this, your altar, O oh God, your altar, and us kneeling there with a broken spirit to say, Lord, have mercy on me. Or whether it is to right where we are, to say, oh God, I've been trying to handle those crises all by myself, but no longer. I need Jesus. I don't want to make a bad decision like Judas Iscariot, but I want to be like Reverend Dow, who when he saw his bad decision, he changed it and he became a champion for the faith. Oh God, I need to be a champion for my children. I need to be a champion for my spouse. I need to be a champion for the folks I go to school with. I need to be a champion for the folks I work with. I need to be a champion for my neighbors. I need to be a champion for you, oh God. You know our need. May we respond to you in faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our hymn of decision is page number 405. Have faith in God. This morning, if God is speaking to your heart and you need to come forward, you're brave enough, courageous enough in your crisis to say, I need to come, then we want to invite you and encourage you to do it. May each of us, before we leave this building today, 
make sure in our heart we pray, pass me not, O gentle Savior, as we stand together. Would you be seated for a moment and would the mission team come and stand in front? As they're coming, you've got to come back next Sunday because we're going to talk about family restoration. And as Paul Harvey would have said, the rest of the story of the book of Job as we'll look at what God does to a faithful, to a faithful person. So, we get... Y'all are all going to go that way? Good fight. Don't, don't pray for anybody on your right or my right, okay? That's all I'm going to say. All of them are on my left. So, uh, Well, this is our Deep Impact Kids mission team. And as our habit is, when we send folks out, we send them out with the congregation's blessing, with the congregation's <laughs> prayers, with the congregation's best wishes so now you know we sometimes say I'll stand with you in that situation uh, I want to invite you to stand with our mission team right now and I want to offer a prayer of commissioning let's pray together Heavenly Father this afternoon these chosen ones shall be embarking upon an adventure. They're going to a place that probably most of them have never been. They'll be meeting people they've never met. And they will be experiencing things they've never done before. But Lord, they're going in your name. And they're going in your power. And they're going, as Taylor said, 
to be able to share with those different ways your love, O oh God, through Jesus Christ. And so we pray for their safety. We pray, God, that you would stretch them and encourage them and challenge them and help them to grow in their faith and in their love for you, O oh God, and in their love for each other. And we pray, Lord, that the people that they shall touch and impact will know your love as well. And so, Lord, in a very real way, we go with them. We go, and in our prayers and in our support and in our encouragement, we are there too. And we are together doing ministry in this community, in your holy name. So bless this effort. Bless this work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Team, you may go eat. Y'all need to go. Go ahead. Go that way. Follow her. They're going upstairs to eat. They fixed pizza for them about 9.30 this morning, and we don't want it to get cold. And uh, they are departing. So, very good. You'll be back next week. You need to hear the restoration that God promises. And now as we leave this place, May we do so in God's peace and in his power and in his abiding presence that we might be his people who can stand crisis in the midst of his people who are in crisis. Would you pray with me? God, go with us from here. Go with that team. Bless them and use them for your glory. And Lord, as we go this week and meet people in crisis, may we be able to share your love and grace. In Jesus' name we pray.